This is the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess, and we're trailing clouds of glory in episode 127. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast, the tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hi, this is Kristen from naturalbirthandbabycare.com. And I am here to share our new baby, Phoenix's birth story, in today's podcast episode. I feel like Phoenix's story begins so far before his birth, and so I don't really know where to start it. Um, But I guess I will start it a little under a year ago when I was really to the place where I was, I usually was pregnant again already at that point, and hadn't gotten pregnant, and we weren't sure if we really felt ready for another baby or not, but I was I was definitely uh, longing for another baby and had been kind of secretly praying for another baby for quite a while, and, um, and I had a dream or a half dream. I don't know if I was asleep or half asleep or not, um, but I was actually having a pretty rough period. I was in a lot of pain from cramps and stuff and uh, and had gone to bed and just really kind of felt miserable and was probably feeling sorry for myself a bit and everything. But I just prayed before I went to bed. And like I said, I don't know if I was half asleep or if I was asleep and dreaming or what. But And obviously this is going to reflect my faith-based background, but I, uh, I feel like I heard God tell me that he was going to give me a baby, another baby, and also that it was going to be a baby boy. And so um, that dream obviously has stuck with me extraordinarily vividly. Uh, Like I said, at that point, I knew that I wasn't pregnant. um, And I actually ended up having a couple cycles after that. Uh, And so, you know, knowing that, okay, it was one of those things like, are you crazy or am, am I crazy? Was it just a crazy dream? But it felt like more to me. It felt like much more. So anyways, um, I ended up falling pregnant. We chart. So um, Phoenix was conceived actually on New Year's Day 2017, which I think is a pretty auspicious conception day. But um, I... You know, I just had a feeling, uh, a really quick feeling, and I actually had a feeling like a couple days before conception, too. I was actually attending a birth, and I got a really, really strong, whoa, feeling that that maybe there's a little soul coming. Um, and then there were so many births in that month. Uh, I So I, I went to a birth a few days before, and then a birth just after his conception when I didn't even realize that I was pregnant. And then probably one of the most powerful births um, that I have I have been to yet in my career. Right now I'm just assisting at births as a student. So but I've you know I've been a student for well over a year now and I've been to a number of births and this one was definitely one of the most powerful births that I had been to. And That mom had a baby boy, and again, I just had a really strong feeling at that birth, after that birth. The mom was actually relatively close to me, so I was able to go back for her postpartum appointments and everything, and I I had just found out I was pregnant at that point, just found out for sure, and so, um, but I just had this really strong feeling that... uh, that that you know that 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 boy energy that male energy was there so his presence was kind of very very strong and one of the reasons i think it's so profound for me to think back upon it is because i was so full of doubt about it and doubted through the entire pregnancy so um i had you know i had what i believe is a a word from the Lord, probably the only time in my life that I feel like I've been told something so directly. Um, the only other thing probably, I mean, I feel strongly about being a mom, but it's kind of a default thing because I am a mom. So really the only other thing that I can say that I felt feel so strongly about is a calling to, to serving mothers and babies. 
And I feel very strongly that that's a calling from God. And then this is like something that I feel very strongly I was told. And again, just there were various times where I could feel his energy, just feel his presence and definitely um, a male masculine presence. But I doubted again. I doubted because I feel like throughout all of my pregnancies, I've not been very good uh, at, at saying who is this baby coming? Like, I feel like I missed the mark. Even though when I think back on it, I think that I did get it right. There was a couple that I was wrong with, but I think I did get it right with the majority of my kids. I think I really didn't know with Cassidy. Um, I did know with Asher and Brennan, and I felt relatively certain with Galen, but wasn't positive. Um, and then with Honor, I was pretty sure that she was a girl from very early on. Uh, and then Corwin, again, I was kind of not certain. I think with both Galen and Corwin, I did kind of feel like it was a boy, but I was not sure if I should uh, let myself feel that. With Sadie, I was really unsure through most of the pregnancy until the last few weeks when I really felt like she was a girl. So... I still feel like I, was, I wasn't really confident with any of them. It was always kind of wishy-washy or eh, maybe, maybe not. And so with Phoenix, I was a little bit afraid to say that, look, I feel really, really, really strongly. But I did feel really, really, really strongly. So anyways, again, the just the journey, the emotional journey uh, for his pregnancy has been such a big one. It, it was a very different pregnancy for me because I was active as a student midwife. So um, especially after the first of the year, because I had been an apprentice before that, but mostly just going to births because I was still in a trial period. Whereas after I completed the trial period and moved into the next step, basically really serious apprenticeship, uh, I, I was doing a lot more appointments and everything, and still, when you look at a working mom's schedule, mine was very light, only being out of the house for one afternoon a week, and then for appointments here and there, and obviously for births here and there, but still, that was pretty light, but it was more than I had ever really been out of the house in any pregnancy, and more to juggle, especially with running the business, um, than I have ever had to do in any pregnancy, so it was a really different experience for me, but also really powerful in many ways, because my business is helping mothers and babies, which is something that's been with me through my last five babies, really, because I started this uh, website after Galen was born. And even the podcast I started while I was pregnant with Corwin, so I've been doing it for quite a while. But being actually out of the house was different. And also really attending births and actually being with pregnant women at prenatal appointments and being with moms and babies at postpartum appointments and everything, it just added a very, um, very different level to this pregnancy, which was mostly internal because I felt like it was important for me to separate my pregnancy from what, uh, what my clients were going through. So I, if I, if a client did ask, because obviously it became very obvious that I was pregnant too, I was always happy to talk about things. And there are some clients that I definitely felt a connection with and we talked more, like kind of talking shop about being pregnant. Um, but for the most part, I tried to keep things very separate. Even um, I didn't really talk about my pregnancy a lot with my midwife, even though I was in the office constantly, unless it was my appointment. And also during my appointments, I didn't really talk about, quote-unquote, the business stuff. I didn't talk about my apprenticeship stuff. If I needed to talk something about the apprenticeship, I set up a separate lunch date or something for that because I wanted to be able to, to keep those separate in a professional sense, but in my mind and in my body all throughout the pregnancy, there's a lot that you can't keep separate because birth is such an emotional work, even for the birth worker, um, which... I think is the way that it should be. So in any ways, it was a very powerful pregnancy in that regard. Um, and again, throughout the entire pregnancy, I really felt um, very, very strongly about his presence. Another, I had another dream too. I actually had three dreams, the one before I was pregnant and two while I was pregnant that were really powerful. One of them 
we had actually contemplated a different name for Phoenix. Um, so his full name is Phoenix Arthur Burgess, and Arthur is after my husband's grandpa. So we had actually considered having Arthur as the first name and a different middle name. Well, I had a dream where the baby, or whom I assumed was the baby, I don't remember like any sort of body. Like I don't remember picturing a baby or a man or anything like that. But uh, but I knew it was the baby talking to me, said, my name is Phoenix, pretty, pretty boldly. And so that was, you know, that was another one where I was like, am I just going crazy? Is this just wishful thinking because I'm being romantic about thinking about having this cool baby named Phoenix? Um, anyways, but so that, you know, I felt like he spoke to me. In a dream, which was really kind of a powerful and cool thing. And then I had another dream where uh, it was it was kind of a weird dream, but and I had a dream similar to this with Asher, my second, but basically where I could see in my belly at one point, so I could see the baby growing inside me, and so I could obviously see his sex was male. So those three dreams were all really powerfully with me. I also sort of felt like I was going crazy throughout the pregnancy, again, because I'm having these crazy dreams, which are probably just crazy pregnant woman dreams is what I told myself. But I also saw what I felt like were signs. So I kept seeing the color orange everywhere, which obviously when we think about, when we think about a phoenix, we think about fire, and so the color orange seems to fit. And it was so weird. It was like in small ways at first that I would see the color orange here and there. But then it, it became bigger. Like I started seeing orange vehicles everywhere. And I guess I never really realized that orange cars were so popular. But uh, also we will. So we we have moms order a birth kit with every birth. And a lot of times, most of the birth supplies are never opened and used. And so if a mom, or sometimes, like for example, we had one mom who was planning on birthing at her mom's house, which was bigger and nicer than her house, but labor ended up coming on so fast that she had the baby at her house, but her birth kit was at her mom's house. So anyways, things like that happen. And the, the so we have birth kit parts and stuff like the stuff that's still sterile and sealed up get get donated back to the office to pass on to other moms so my midwife and our senior student in the practice uh, decided to put together basically a full birth kit for me from those supplies so that we didn't have to buy a birth kit this time around which was super sweet of them but one of the moms had brought in her birth supply in this neon orange crate and that's what they used to pack my birth supplies in this neon orange crate. It was just crazy when they gave it to me. I mean, I was like tickled pink and so happy, but I was also thinking, really? Orange? Again? So it was things like that. There was also a point where I was on the way to a meeting with um, their, the Small Business Association has a uh, has groups called SCORE groups in various communities which help mentor small business owners. So anyways, I have a, a mentor um, through the SCORE group local to us, and I was on the way to have a meeting with her just to talk business, but I, I have a song that I've sung to my unborn babies for the last couple of pregnancies. I've shared it with y'all before, but I'll share it again. It's J.J. Heller's I Get to Be the One. It's such a sweet, sweet song to sing to an unborn baby. But anyways, that song had just started playing while I'm driving along the bay to go talk business stuff. And so, you know, I just started singing it. And then I look up, I think I was at a light, and I look up, and as I'm turning, I get behind this huge truck. So that song is playing. This truck is in front of me, and emblazoned across the back of the truck, it says Phoenix. And there's a picture of a Phoenix on it. So... It was like a business truck, like, you know, it was it was hauling or something, an 18-wheeler. But, I mean, it was huge. And I was like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? So my baby's song is playing, and I'm behind this truck that says Phoenix in huge letters, and it has a Phoenix on it. And it was a beautiful day, and I was full of hope because I'm on the way to, you know, strategize for how I can grow my business, which helps my family and everything. So it just felt like a very powerful moment to me. So... And there were other things, like there were other little sightings of the color orange just before um, Phoenix's birth. My son Galen came home from a 4-H meeting with this huge orange balloon. I'm like, and I kept all these things to myself pretty much. I mentioned them to my midwife 
during my appointments, but I still pretty much thought I was going nuts. And I guess to me, these things are such an important part of maybe not of Phoenix's story eventually in his life, but they're such an important part of my story to becoming Phoenix's mom. So I just, you know, it feels like I need to share this stuff as I share his birth story. So again, his presence was just really, really strongly with me. And I guess I want to emphasize again that I was so full of doubt because I don't know how many other moms feel this way. I know some moms really feel very confident if they get, you know, some one of the terms is spirit babies. So if they get a message from their spirit baby, some moms feel really confident about it, but I didn't. I felt really, really torn. And I, and I also really wanted him to be Phoenix. And so I felt like maybe believing everything that I was seeing would lead me to disappointment if that wasn't who this baby was. So... So it was a it was a kind of a tough journey for me in many ways. Um, and now I'm grateful that I can go back and relish all those things and think about all those things um, and think about him and, and him having such a big presence and being a fulfillment of a promise that I feel like I had. So anyways, we can move forward. Um, Really, I I should mention that around 37 weeks, there was a lot of pressure uh, in my womb, and I really, really a lot of pressure feeling down on my cervix. I wasn't really in a good place. I was really stressed out the last few weeks of pregnancy, just trying to wrap everything up that I wanted to do for the business to hopefully ensure that I could get some semblance of a maternity leave. I'm not doing birth work right now. I am on maternity leave from that, but... My family depends on the website for income, and so if I take a break from the website uh, and from teaching classes and that sort of thing, does my family not have any money? It's it's a really not great concern, but it's there. So I was really stressed out just trying to wrap up and, and make sure that a couple of promotions coming up were going to go off, go well. Um, and And so that week was actually the week of my home visit. And my midwife came and, and she commented that the baby felt really low. And I thought it was a good good visit, but overall I was pretty disappointed and actually pretty scared because I was worried about having an early baby. And so the next day I went into town because I had appointments to do and I really wanted to grocery shop because I actually really didn't have much food in the house at that point. Um, and because we were trying to watch the budget, I was trying to stretch the budget a little bit longer and Scott finally told me after the appointment when I was really upset uh, he's like you know just go ahead and grocery shop tomorrow when you're in town because you'll feel better at least knowing that there's plenty of food in the house so I went to appointments it's probably probably the worst day that I've had in this pregnancy aside from a couple days where we had family arguments or something but I felt like there was literally this super heavy bowling ball between my legs and I'm walking around the grocery store and amusing myself, just trying to get through it, amusing myself by saying, you know, okay, if I have this baby in this grocery store right this minute, they'll probably give me gift cards for life. And so that, you know, that was what I cheered myself with, but I I actually honestly wished that Scott was with me. And if I hadn't had to go to a day of appointments, I would have you know, I would have asked him to bring me, but I didn't want to leave all the kids home alone um, for the day that long. But anyways, I got through that day. I got home with the groceries that night. The next day, I took out my Brewer Diet checklist, which I hadn't been using regularly for, for a few months. But I said, you know what? I think I haven't been eating enough. I feel really bad. I don't want this baby to come early. I'm going to do whatever I can. So starting the next day, I I really started taking it a lot easier. I was still working. It was still a bit stressful, but but I started taking it easier. I had plenty of food. I started checking off that checklist every day. I was actually amazed because I had been having some swelling in my ankles. Not a lot. Not what you would consider more than normal. But as soon as I, like the first day that I did that entire checklist. I had no more swelling in my ankles that night and no night after that period through the end of the pregnancy, which ended up going on for another four weeks. So there's a little spoiler there. But 
it was amazing to me and it just underscored to me, A, the power of the brewer diet and B, the power of taking my own advice because it's what I always advise to other moms when they're having a tough time and a stressful time in their pregnancies um, or a physically taxing time or anything is, is track your diet every day. So at least you can make sure that you're well nourished to make it through this tough time. I also feel like the Lord was with me because I ended up having a number of appointments right after that. So um, in our county, we have uh, um, a nurse or a social worker will visits you throughout your pregnancy and, and with your new baby, just kind of to be supportive, which has been really nice. And so I had an, a nurse visit that Friday and, you know, she was just really sweet and asked me, you know, what can help you feel less stressed and everything? Because I was pretty frank, you know, I feel like really stressed. I'm really worried. And she helped me kind of pen down a few goals of things. Okay, this is what I really want to get done. And then my mind will be at ease. Um, and so I just prayed and, and took it easy. But also when I was up and doing things, made sure I focused on what I needed to do, getting ready for the promotions and that sort of thing. Oh, buddy. I do have Phoenix with me, so you hear little Phoenix squeaks. Um, but um, just you know, just doing what I needed to do to take care of me and, and to get things wrapped up, and also I let myself take more naps and that sort of thing. And so I ended up, like I said, being pregnant for four more weeks. Um, but I I think one of the reasons why I think back to that point is because. When my water broke with Phoenix, there was a little bit of old meconium in the water. Like, he wasn't... If if there's a lot of meconium staining, like, the baby will look kind of stained, too. Like, they'll look like a yellowish-greenish color because of the meconium. And Phoenix was really pink, so it was just old, some old flecks of meconium. But usually that happens when there's a moment when the baby's stressed in the womb. It's not very unusual, but I always... I, I, I guess I think back and wonder... Was that, was that period of stress when he decided to release a little bit of meconium, was it during that week? That was so hard and I was feeling so much downward pressure. His head was really low. So there was something, you know, there was something physically going on and I kind of wonder about that. I can never know. But that's, again, that intuition that I have so much trouble trusting. That's what my intuition tells me is when that happened. Um... Anyways, so fast forward through the next few weeks, like I said, I took it pretty easy. Then I, so I figured that I would go the weekend that I was due. I was due on a Sunday and I figured the baby would come probably Saturday, Sunday or Monday because my last five babies had all come within a day or two of their due date. So that was fully, fully what I expected. Well, that Saturday, another really interesting thing happened. So that was, so he was due September 24th. So that was September 23rd. And I had, I feel like one of the other things that happens when my babies get close is like there needs to be emotional relief. So something will happen um, with, in this case, it was getting frustrated at my kids and two of my kids who are usually my really laid back kids, both kind of had meltdowns, which is unusual. And then that's hard for me. So anyways, you know, just some emotional meltdowns, some tears all around the family, that kind of thing, and then recovering. And so that Saturday, I was just, you know, I felt like we had recovered from the tears and everything. And then I just wanted to get to a better place for birthing. So I I sat down and actually wrote a poem. I might share the poem when I write his birth story out. I might not. I, you know, it's an amateur poem. But I wrote a poem, a, a birthing poem for him. And... um and I decided to start taking more walks just to kind of encourage him. So I took this particular walk alone, which is unusual. I usually walk with Scott. But I walked the back trails of, uh, of our property. And as I was walking, I looked down. And our kids have, have this little game. And it's got these little tiles. Uh, they're probably about the size of Scrabble tiles. But they have numbers. And each number is on a colored background. And my younger kids don't like to play the game. But they love to play with the tiles. And so I'm guessing some child had carried this tile all the way to the back trail at the very back border of our property along the trail. And it was a number seven on an orange background. And so I was just, I picked it up and dusted it off. It was a little bit dirty and I was just looking at it and thinking, okay, well, Saturday is the seventh day of the week. And it's orange, so maybe that means that the baby will come. 
and, (laughs) you know, by tonight. And so actually, by the time I hit midnight, and it was very obvious that the baby wasn't coming, you know, I went to bed and woke up the next morning, and it's like, okay, well, maybe all of these signs and everything have just been craziness, because obviously the baby didn't come, and there's no way I'm going all the way till next Saturday. That was my thought. But I still took that little tile and set it, you know, I set it on the counter in my bathroom, kind of in the corner, and kept looking at it. But I, I did not think there was any way I was going to make it to the next Saturday. So, due date came and went, no baby, and actually at that point, Scott started getting impatient, which was a little bit annoying to me, asking me every day, anything happening yet? And it's like, no, you'll know when something's happening. Um, But I had a prenatal appointment on Wednesday, and, or actually on Tuesday evening, I had contractions get really regular, and then putter out, but they got regular enough that I texted my midwife, Uh, I didn't call her or anything. But I texted her and let her know that they were they were pretty regular, but I was going to try and go to bed. And they puttered out. So the next morning I texted her and said, well, obviously they puttered out. I'll see you at my appointment in a little while. So Scott didn't want me to drive into town myself at 40 and a half weeks pregnant. So he drove me into town. Um, we went to the farmer's market first and walked around. Then I went to my appointment and all of that, you know, all of that went really well. Um, I asked my midwife at the appointment, did she think the baby was going to be chunky? And she said, yeah. But she said later, she didn't tell me that she thought he was going to be a real chunk. Um, I was expecting an eight to nine pound baby again, because that's what I've been having. But anyways, went home all that week, really on top of this, like I, my peace of mind was definitely starting to break down quite a bit because I had expected to have my baby by a certain time. I didn't have my baby. I felt like I was seeing all these signs and felt like I was a crazy woman for seeing all these signs and having all these dreams. Um, I started to, I got to the point where my house had to be clean, like Martha Stewart, Mr. Clean commercial clean, which I think for a couple days drove my kids nuts. And again, we had some more tears and then they realized that this is really important to mom and we should just keep the house clean. So every night we went to bed and my house was spotless, which made me feel really good. But, um, but that, and that was like, that was just that week, that week that I was 40 weeks, every night went to bed, the house was spotless. I like, again, my peace of mind was just really crumbling. So Scott and I sat down and watched like romantic comedies every night, which was good. That's that's one of the things that I actually recommend to my childbirth class students is sit down and, and you know, watch funny movies or something. So we just, you know, we just kind of did that. And it was really, it was really nice. Um, I can't say that it's something I look back on fondly because I also know kind of my emotional state behind that. But I do feel like I did the right things. I kept tracking my diet. I took lots of walks. Um... We watched funny movies. I, I took extra baths, extra showers, just relaxing. I didn't really worry too much about the business. I had a promotion going on, which I had, that was the promotion I'd been preparing for. So I had just kind of let it run on autopilot. Um, and I just kind of stayed calm. And I sent emails out to my subscribers, basically telling them, you know, like little tips and where I was and, you know, tips for when you're waiting on baby and things. They just kind of matched my peace of mind, but I didn't try and do a lot for the site. Obviously, I didn't do a podcast or anything and just tried to, you know, nurture myself as well as I could and not feel like I was going completely insane, even though I kind of felt like I was going crazy on the inside. Uh, and, And I was grateful that my kids got the picture that it really did help mom to have a clean house. So um, the week came and went, and I was, Friday came, which for us, Friday is a Rev Shabbat, so the preparation for the Sabbath. The house was already pretty clean. So, um, but we cleaned and we made a really yummy supper out of the vegetables that we gotten at the farmer's market. We made baked spaghetti squashes with a meat sauce and cheese, which is one of our favorites. Um, to have. And so I, well, I guess I should rewind to Friday morning. So Friday morning I got up, still nothing was happening. But a little while after I got up, I went to the bathroom and wiped and thought I saw a hint of something on the toilet paper. Because I've been like, 
I've been like spastically checking the toilet paper every time I wipe for at least a couple weeks now, which I think pretty much every pregnant woman who's gotten to the end of her pregnancy can identify with. So, and you know, there's many times when I'm like, okay, I'm going to squint and see, is there anything on the toilet paper? And it's like, no, there's not. That's just wishful thinking. But this time I was like, okay, that looks like it may really be something. So I reached up and wiped again. And yeah, there was definitely a little bit of pinkish mucus. And so I was grinning like a complete idiot, went out front and told Scott, there was a little bit of pinkish mucus on the toilet paper. Maybe my body really works and I'm really going to have this baby after all. Um, and so we had talked about that day. We were going to go. The grocery store was having a really nice sale. So I'd wanted to go over to the grocery store and then uh, go by the library and pick up some holds that were in at the library. And Scott asked, did I want to still do that? And I said, yeah, I did because if nothing was going to start happening and we didn't do it, I was going to kick myself for missing the sale at the grocery store. And so we went over and did that. And we ended up having to sit around at the grocery store for a while because the grocery store's card processing system went down. So they couldn't process any payments via debit card or credit card or anything. So we sat around and waited on that because I had a lot of groceries that were on a really good sale and didn't want to not get them when I knew I was going to have a baby coming imminently. Um... So we sat around there, and by the time we got home, it was it was definitely lunchtime, and um, and so I had seen quite, but I had seen quite a bit more show. Fortunately, our, our at our library they have a nice little bathroom, so I didn't have to try and use the grocery store bathroom. But when I was in the library bathroom, I I would say that like I definitely lost my entire mucus plug. <laughs> I don't think my librarians need to know that because it just got flushed. But but that's you know that's pretty much what it, what it looked like to me. And, um, and so I texted my midwife and let her know, I had actually texted her earlier, let her know I was losing a little bit of mucus, but I wasn't having any contractions or anything more than normal Braxton Hicks. By the time we got home, I, I lost a little bit more mucus after that, but then nothing, like nothing. So we laid down for a nap after lunch because it's like, okay, I'm going to keep taking it easy. And I felt like I had pretty regular contractions while I was laying down for the nap, but as soon as I got up, they stopped. So again... I'm feeling like, okay, maybe I'm going crazy here. So went through the rest of the afternoon, got the house ready, prepared Shabbat dinner. We did the candles and the blessings for everybody. And uh, and then I sat down at the table and I felt like through dinner, I started having regular contractions and thought, okay, well, this is it. Well, actually, before the end of dinner, I needed to get up and go to the bathroom. So I went to the bathroom, had a bowel movement. That was the second for that day, which was another thing that was encouraging to me. Because that's something my body tends to do just before having a baby is, is clean everything out. Well, as soon as that happened, all the contractions stopped. So at that point, I was pretty discouraged. Um, it was also actually, it, it that Erev Shabbat was pretty special because it was also the eve of the Day of Atonement. So we were going into that. Usually, um, my, my kids and husband will watch like a movie or some TV shows or something after we eat dinner on Friday night. Well, because we were moving into the Day of Atonement, which is, a, you know, a biblical festival that my family chooses to observe, we had decided that we were going to fast electronics, especially since I had already decided I wasn't going to fast food or drink being 40, almost 41 weeks pregnant. Um... And so we didn't turn the television or anything like that on, and which I was really grateful for. But I did, I did say I'm going to leave my phone on in case I need to call my midwife. So I actually did end up giving her a call around uh, 8 p.m., mostly because I was super discouraged and really felt like I just needed to talk to her and let her know what was going on. So I let her know that the little bit of show that I had had that morning actually ended up being a pretty big amount of show and that I'd had a couple periods of normal contractions, two bowel movements that day, which is unusual for me, usually just one. Um, and so she gave me, you know, she gave me encouragement. She listened to me. She told me she felt pretty sure that things were going to start within the next 24 hours or so. Uh, and to give her a call in the morning if she didn't hear from me before that, just so, you know, so she could talk to me and be there for me and everything, which I thought was really sweet. And she told me to go ahead and try and get some rest. So shortly after I finished talking to her, I went ahead and laid down. I don't remember what time it was, but probably 9 or 9.30. And Scott came in and laid down with me not too long after that. And I, when I, when I laid down, I started having... 
<laughs> some contractions. They were annoying enough that I didn't really feel like I could go to sleep, but I thought maybe they would slow down or that I would just fall asleep. And then, you know, then they would, they would go away and I would wake up in the morning and still be pregnant. Well, that was not to be. So around 10 or... Sorry, ladies, I've got a phoenix who's saying he wants to eat here. <laughs> um, but so around 10, 10, 15 or so, I had a contraction and it was just, it was a big one. I couldn't, I couldn't keep laying down. So I pushed myself up in bed and Scott literally jumped out of bed. <laughs> and we, so he had, we had actually inflated the tub Tuesday night when I had had those contractions get real regular while I was watching the movie. We hadn't filled it. We had just inflated it. And Scott was like, I'm not going to take it down and blow it up again. So it had been inflated in our living room for days. So the tub was already inflated, but he started filling it with water right then. Um, and then he called Kathy because I'm, I'm not really great about calling my midwife at the right time. But he's like, I'm going to call the midwife. So he called Kathy um, and said, you know, I think it's time for you to head this way. At, by which time, by the time he called her, I knew, okay, the baby's coming because I couldn't lay down. I needed to be standing up. Um, I had had quite a few contractions, was leaning on my bathroom counter, and had also been on the toilet a couple more times um, with more bowel movement, definitely looser. Again, body cleaning itself out for labor. And so I knew this was the real thing. Then he brought me the phone, um, and I called my birth photographer. I had also texted her earlier in the day, so she had a heads up too. But I told her, Kathy's on the way, um, and she said she was on the way. And then, you know, that definitely was in labor mode from that point on. I actually I have a little stuffed cat that Scott got me. I think he got it for me shortly after we married, just as a present. But anyways, uh, that stuffed cat's always in bed with me. And I, I carried the stuffed cat around because Scott was working on the tub and I didn't really need him yet at that point, but I wanted something to squeeze. So I was squeezing this poor stuffed cat, whose name is Roman. Um, so I was squeezing this poor little stuffed cat named Roman uh, and standing there leaning up against the bathroom counter, kind of swaying my hips and everything. And I walked out front a couple times, but as soon as I felt a contraction coming on, I made like a beeline back to the bathroom because the bathroom counter just felt like the perfect height to lean on. Um, and they definitely got progressively stronger. I think I kept wandering out front because, I don't know, I may have been in the bathroom at this point, but both my bathroom faces the front of the house, so and it has a window. So I was either in the bathroom or I may have been out front looking out the, the kitchen window. Um, but we saw headlights in the driveway. And it, it hadn't been too long since Scott had called. So I knew that was our senior student, Connie, because she lives closer to me. Um, and so she got there. By the time she came in the house, I was back in the bathroom. I'm pretty sure that I was sitting on the toilet. Um, and she got there. She started taking out uh, the fetoscope to listen to the baby's heartbeat. And she just looked at me because she was kind of standing outside the bathroom door and she said, it's time for baby. And that's probably one of my, you know, one of my favorite memories from the labor is just, you know, just hearing her voice. She and I have done a lot of births together uh, since I've been an apprentice and um, I really treasure her as a colleague and as a fellow student and as a fellow woman who's passionate about helping moms and babies. And I was really delighted to have her at my birth. So that was just a really special moment for me. And she came over, listened to the baby's heartbeat, which was good. And I was still on the toilet at that point. And then again, I, I, I was really just in labor land at that point, just Again, I was kind of wandering back and forth. I think I started gravitating a little bit more towards being out front. I leaned against the side of the tub standing, pressing down on the side of the tub a bit. Um, we had a birth pool in a box, which is an inflatable tub, so it's got kind of a shelf you can lean against. Because I really wanted to get in the tub, but it was it was being slow filling and slow getting heated. And at this point, um, Kathy got there with Ninote, who was the other midwife on the team, and... 
Colleen, our photographer, got there shortly thereafter. Um, and it's kind of a blur to me when they got there, but I know it wasn't too long. Kathy said that um, she was out of the house within five minutes after Scott called. She didn't even call Connie until they were already on the road. Um, so they, you know, so they all got there, but I was definitely deep into working on things. I remember being happy that Colleen got there before I got in the tub because she was able to get some pictures of me laboring on land. Though by that time, I think I had already moved out of the bathroom. I don't think she got any with me in the bathroom. Um, but I remember that, and I remember being happy that the birth team was here and Kathy saying everybody made it, Kristen, because that was one of the things I was worried about because I tend to have babies quickly. Uh, and so looking back over the labor notes, I know that everybody got there between like 11.15 and 11.45. So by 11.45, the whole birth team, including Colleen, our photographer, was there. And things were definitely really moving for me. I was, by that time, I needed Scott during the contractions. I had abandoned Roman at that point. I needed Scott, um... And so, you know, he was there, and I just kind of held his hands and held on to him. We were still standing, so I leaned into him for a minute after the contractions. He was still working on the tub, and he got water boiling to start adding, be able to add boiling water to, to help bring the temperature up in the tub uh, as we filled it with some cooler water to just try and get the level up from the tub. And then also we had candles on the mantle, which Scott went ahead and lit. Um, I, we, we don't usually light candles or, or candle fire on Shabbat, but and certainly not on the Day of Atonement and Shabbat. But again, it's for bringing a baby into the world and basically for preserving and welcoming a new life. So he decided it was okay to light the candles. Um, but while he was lighting the candles, there would, you know, he would light one and then he would have to take a break and come over to help me with a contraction. And there was just a little bit of back and forth dialogue that was like barely whispered for me from across the room where I was leaning against the birth tub. Just, you know, just basically wait if I needed him to come over to me, telling him to wait on lighting the candle. And then, okay, you know, you can light the candle. And I just, that was another special moment for me because... It, it speaks kind of to the connection that we have that I value as a wife. Um, and then I, I remember saying that I really wanted to get in the tub. Scott told me he thought I could get in the tub. And I said I really wanted to, but I was worried about it being cool because when I reached in and touched the water, it didn't feel terribly warm. But Kathy told me she thought I could go ahead and get in because the pots on the stove were about to come to a simmer, so they were heating up. So I did go ahead and get in. I mean, I think I, I practically flung my little dress off that I was wearing. And then I had another contraction hit, so I stood there on the side of the tub and did another contraction. Then I got in the tub. And it did feel a little cool to me when I got in, but it was okay. I think I had a contraction or two, and then Ninote brought over a pot of water, and and they told me that she's going to pour the water in, so watch out. You know, move away a little bit while the water gets in and mixes with the cooler water. But she poured the water in, and I could feel the heat make its way over to me. And this was between a contraction. And I just, I know I got this huge grin on my face. I haven't seen all the photos yet from Phoenix's birth because Colleen is still processing everything. But I don't know if she got a picture of that moment or not. But if she did, I'm sure that I have this huge grin on my face because just that warm water, like, filtering around my body felt so good and I remember getting this huge smile um, I remember looking up at the clock and seeing that it was after midnight I wasn't looking at the clock because I was worried about how much time it was taking or anything but I wanted to see the time um, and I was I was just in awe to see the clock turn over to midnight because again and I actually feel a little bit emotional talking about it but because I had found that little tile with the number seven and the orange on it, and I had not believed that there was any way I was going to be pregnant for another week uh, and possibly give birth on that seventh day or that Shabbat. And yet that's exactly where God brought me to. And not only, not only that is it a blessing to have a baby on Shabbat, but to bless me enough to let me have a baby um, on the Day of Atonement was... A pretty incredible thing for me to think because of course I think you know I think I'm a good person and all I, I like myself but I'm you know I'm a pretty flawed human being I get mad and I yell at my kids and I snap at my husband and 
I certainly don't feel like I'm the, you know, the best at, uh, <laughs> at doing what God wants me to do all the time. But, um, but to be able to have a baby, uh, on such a, such a powerful day on the day of the atonement, a day of atonement when it overlaps the Sabbath. And also just to go to that day, which I, I guess, I guess it was a lesson too in faith for me, perhaps the biggest of my life, that God and his plans and his plans for my baby's life are much bigger than mine and his plans for my life are perhaps much bigger than mine. So anyways, just watching the clock hit midnight and kind of having all of those things settle into my mind as I was also in that, in that labor land, that birthing place was, it was a really powerful moment for me. At that point, labor sped up pretty, pretty well. Um, I was, so I was leaning against the side of the tub on my knees. Scott was on the outside of the tub leaning forward and I was basically holding onto his hands as hard as I possibly could, squeezing them during the contractions. Um, it was very quickly that I needed to kind of rise up on my knees during the contraction and I could just like I could feel my arms trembling because I was squeezing him so hard as I moaned through the contraction. And actually in that moment, I flashed back to the birth that I mentioned earlier that I had helped at, the birth that I feel like is one of the most powerful that I'd seen. And that mom birthing her baby boy um, when I had felt a really strong kind of kinship with her and sense of like this, you know, this boy, this masculine energy around her baby and my baby that I had just found was in my womb. Um, but she had been in a very similar position with her husband in her birth tub. And so I flashed on her and just like, I actually, I wrote an email after that birth and I titled the email um, and then she roared and I talked about it because her birth was so inspiring and I felt like if somebody had photographed her in that moment with one of those cameras that shows energy, that you would have literally seen the waves of energy rolling off her. She was just so powerful uh, in her birth. And so I flashed back to that moment as I was in that very similar position and could feel this birthing energy on my body. And that was another super powerful thing about his birth. To me, it was really beautiful because I've always felt in that labor land point a bit of kinship with other birthing women, the women who have birthed before me, who are birthing at that moment with me, and the women, even my own daughters, and I hope granddaughters one day will birth in the future. But it was really cool to feel that connection with a woman who I had been blessed to assist during her own birth. So that was, you know, that was really, really, really powerful to me as well. Um, just that moment. And after, I don't remember if it was after that one or not, but I think it may have been after that one. I kind of slid to the center of the tub and had a few moments of quiet, but I could feel a lot of pressure from the baby's head. Like I could definitely feel the baby's head was down in my pelvis. And then the next contraction stopped. I slid back over to Scott, was in the kneeling position again. And that one pretty much did not stop. I felt like I was riding a wave. It was just like wave after wave and it didn't stop. And then I could feel my body start to bear down involuntarily a little bit. And so that, that urge became stronger and stronger. And then I felt my water break. And I said water broke. And I remember somebody said, okay, I think it was Kathy. That was, that's um, my main midwife. And I know that they flashed a flashlight at that point, which is when they saw, like I said earlier, there was a little bit of meconium in the water. Um, but nobody said anything to me because my desire was that I would be able to, um, you know, to bring him up myself, to take him myself. So at that point, I reached in and I could feel his head, but it was just like a little bit of his head. So he had just started moving down and I could feel like probably a little silver dollar amount of his head and I could feel um, his his crinkly, little crinkly scalp because the skin on his scalp was a little mushed as he was coming down. Um, and then he started coming down and at that point, I really just needed to hold on to Scott because, whoa, he stretched me so much. And now I know because he was a massive baby. But at the time, it was just incredible. It was mind-blowing. I've birthed seven babies before him. But that level of opening was just more than I had ever felt. And so I started moaning. And that moaning turned into a roar. And at the very height where his head was being born, the roar was a scream. Because his body... 
I think, I honestly think, because I've thought about it a lot since his birth, I honestly think what it was, the power that, that I was feeling was, or that, just that stretching, that opening that I was feeling was his shoulders and his chest coming after his head because his chest was 15 and a half inches and then his shoulders, you know, adding even more expanse to that. He was just a really, really big guy. And so his head was born in that roar and I'm not 100% certain. I'll continue to, to reflect on it. Um, but I think it was at that point, I ins- so I had been on my knees, and I instinctively, I did not think to do this, but it happened, and I noticed it happened. I instinctively brought up my right leg so that my left knee was on the bottom of the tub, and my right foot was on the tub, and I moved my um moved my leg out basically I think to open my pelvis more that's actually a position I had birthed a couple of my babies in but I had already been in that position when I started pushing this time again my body just instinctively I brought that leg up and opened my pelvis more probably because there was this massive baby that needed to come but his head was born at that point and the rest of his body wasn't so I reached down and I was just rubbing the top of his head and I was talking to him. So I was saying, you know, come on, baby. I don't remember all of my exact words, but they were something along the lines of, come on, baby, come on. And a number of things flew through my mind at that point. Like, okay, the baby's not coming. What if the baby is stuck? Should I call for Kathy to help? Like all of those things ran through my mind in a split second. But instead, I, I there was a quiet and a calm and a peace that came to me. And it, it was just, just wait. Just wait, just talk to the baby. So I just waited on my body, and the next contraction started within a very short time. His body was born within like a minute of his head. It felt like a long time to me, but it was a very short time. Um, So I felt the next contraction starting, that involuntary pushing out of his massive little shoulders and his massive little chest. It was a really cool moment, even though it was a really intense moment of really opening and really stretching, but I really felt his body twist inside me as his shoulders were born and then his body came out. And that was just really cool to feel from the inside what I as a, as a midwife am studying about baby's positions and how babies move through the womb. So I felt him do what he needed to do to be born. And then I opened my eyes and looked down. And I mean, and all this is like instant. So I felt his body come out released Scott's, you know, hand, and there was my baby. I already had the one hand down because I had been rubbing his head, and I could see him in the water. He was face down, so I could see his little back covered in vernix, and I just reached down, and I lifted him up out of the water and lifted him to my chest, and it was just, it was an amazing moment. I had one hand kind of on his chest, and I put the other hand between his legs, and so I didn't look to see if he was a boy or a girl, but I felt that he was a boy because I supported him bringing him up with my hand between his legs, and I knew that he was Phoenix. And again, it's another moment that makes me really feel um, very emotional. Uh, And so I, I think I sat back for a minute, and, and I said, hi, Phoenix. And I don't know how many people in the room picked up on that but i know that scott did because i don't i don't know actually how i knew i think he he either made a sigh or he made a sound or something but i knew that he had heard what i said so i knew that he knew um and then i actually um i actually gave gave phoenix the the shema to begin with so shema yisrael adonai eloheinu adonai echad so just Again, my faith background, letting him know that, you know, I believe that God is the one God and the God who brought him to me. And then, you know, I was just talking to him and singing to him. And and I said at some point that, you know, it's a boy and and everybody was all happy. And, and it was at that point that Cassidy came out with Sadie because I think hollering Phoenix out had wake, had awakened them or if they had been awakened, they decided to come out at that point. Um, and so, you know, then it was just a flood of children and everybody was happy and, and coming out and seeing Phoenix. And 
I moved around in the birth tub a little bit and got comfortable and then was just looking at him. He was really calm and peaceful and it was just a really, really nice time. And I know at this point I've been telling this story for almost an hour or so. I won't keep going too long. Um, I could share probably a little bit more about the postpartum, but his placenta was, uh, it didn't, I felt like it wasn't going to come in the water, which is something that I felt with a few of my babies. So I told the midwife that I wanted to get out um, and sit on the birthing stool. (laughs) But as I was stepping out of the tub, and this was probably 45 minutes after he was born, so I had been in the tub for a while. We had been chilling out for a while. Um, but as I was stepping out of the tub, I felt the placenta start to come. And I told Kathy, the placenta is coming, but I don't know if she was just not fast enough or she didn't take me seriously, but the placenta literally just flew out with nobody there to quite catch it. And, um, he did not like that. Phoenix didn't like that because it, I mean, it probably jerked on his cord quite a bit because he started crying and there's this placenta dangling and it was a really big placenta. My midwife actually decided to weigh it because it was really big and it was almost two pounds, which an average placenta is about a pound. So he was a big boy, 10 pounds, 10 ounces when we did the newborn exam quite a bit later. I was shocked. I did not think he was that big. Even when I was holding him, I didn't realize that he was that big. And then he had this massive placenta. Um, But anyways, I got on the birth stool and we got the placenta cleaned up, got the cord cut, and then Scott and I moved into the bedroom to cuddle with him for a bit before we did all the newborn exam and everything. Um, But it was just, it was a really powerful birth. I actually feel like, I feel like I need to mull on his birth quite a bit more it, what, it wasn't what I was expecting. It felt a lot like my other births, but then it felt different, especially the pushing stage, again, because he was so big. And I think, too, because I had had so much self-doubt uh, and so many strong feelings and everything, and the moment of birth was just... It was really a moment of surrender to whatever was coming. And I think that probably contributed to the intensity of it as well. Um, and also the fact that I feel like he was... You know, he was given to me as a gift on such an auspicious day. And, you know, it had really required in the last few days before pregnancy for me just to say, okay, I'm going to step forward in faith and believe that this person coming is the person that's supposed to be here who has their own purpose in life. And it doesn't matter if I feel like I'm insane or not. You know, this person is coming. And, um... And my dreams and, and, and thoughts and what I interpreted as signs may or may not have been true, but it just required, again, that I kind of say, I'm going to walk forward in faith. And that moment of pushing him out was really a moment of saying, okay, I'm going to step forward in, in faith into this next part of my life. Because I, I know some people think that children are just kind of commodities and everyday miracles and that kind of thing. But I think as a mother, every child changes you pr- profoundly. Um, and so, you know, it's just being willing to surrender to that profound change, uh, and being willing to step into that power and ride that power and, and bring that change in for your life and, and usher in that person who will have an impact on the world, no matter how large or small, we want it to be a positive impact. And so I, I guess I feel like there was so much in his birth and I feel like, Maybe his story will continue to unfold. I was I was actually rereading one of Sarah Buckley's birth stories in her Gentle Birth, Gentle Mothering book just a couple days ago and her second baby's birth, if you wanted to go read it. And she was just talking about how she felt like the messages and the learning that came from that birth continued to unfold for a long time. And I loved reading that because it really affirmed for me that it's okay that I feel like perhaps there's still... You know, there's still so much to come from Phoenix's birth. And there's still so much to think about. And I think really from the entire experience, from before his conception, when I felt like I had that dream, to his conception, and then, you know, just to his birth, just really incredible. And I don't know that I want to feel like I want to put an expectation on him of being an incredible person, though. I think he's an incredible person already. But that he came to teach me and to help shape me 
to be the best mom for him and I think also to be a better mom for my other children. Um, and that these things, these dreams and these signs and this experience was given to me to help me uh, come to the level that I need to be to help them be who it is that, you know, that God has planned for them. And in that, be able to discover a little bit more of God's plan for me. So that's Phoenix's birth experience. It was incredible. Some people like to have time. So he was born at 1225. So Scott called the midwives at 1045 p.m. And he was born at 1225 a.m. So it wasn't very long, um, even though, and it actually didn't feel too long for me, except for those moments of pushing him out. But it was, it was a whirlwind, a really intense whirlwind, but really good. And again, an experience that I think I will continue to learn from for years, perhaps decades to come, um, and that I will treasure. And he is uh, certainly an incredible, incredible treasure. As I'm recording this, he's, he's two weeks, getting close to three weeks old. We had him weighed yesterday, and he's 12 pounds, 13 ounces. So he remains a giant among babies. <laughs> but... We will see who he becomes over the coming years. I know right now that he's an incredible blessing to me, and I'm so grateful for him. And um, and I'm just happy to be able to share him with you. So with that, there will be more to come. I am doing, um, right now I'm doing weekly blogs. As he gets older, I'll probably do more monthly updates. But um, more on the YouTube channel over at um, youtube.com slash birthbabycare. I did pregnancy updates and I've been doing baby updates if you want to see him uh, and hear how things are going. And otherwise, if you want to get um, daily tips and things from from the email newsletter, you can check out trustbirth101.com and sign up for that. I send out a daily tip related to pregnancy, birth, or mothering pretty much every weekday, missing some days here or there, and then also share with you uh, cool stuff going on and um, when I do new classes and that sort of thing. So if you want to check that out, it's at TrustBirth101. That's TrustBirth101.com. And you'll also, of course, get notified of new videos and podcasts and other updates and things going on with us. Otherwise, I hope that you are blessed this week because I certainly feel full and blessed and running over and pray the same for you. And I will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Birth, Baby and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess. For great resources and tons more info, visit www.birthbabylife.com. Visit www.birthbabylife.com.